Welcome to our podcast, The Herd is Calling. Today, we are so honored to have Sheree Appleby as our guest. Sheree Appleby is the owner and operator of Ghost Rock Ranch in Bend, Oregon. She is a film and video producer for advertising and social media. Her vision was to start a ranch, start a very early in life, and she has a 30-year career as a film and video producer that is still going. Her father was a Western actor and she began dreaming about her life as a cowgirl by following his inspiration. He actually played Western actors and cowboy roles, it sounds like, huh, Sheree? Yeah, he did a, did a yeah. broad sense of other movies as well, but Bonanza, Maverick, Cheyenne, all those big ones. Wow. We still see him on, you know, when you're watching old TV stuff. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. And I know Cherie, that was just some very, very short liner notes. She's being very humble and left a lot of things out there. It's just a real privilege to be able to talk to you, Cherie. We've known Cherie for a few years now. We work out of her barn. We do some of our programs out of that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Cherie's, I say she has a heart as big as the horses that she works around. Agreed. We're excited to be able to share you a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a really wonderful road in life to get here. You know, just like you guys, we all discover new roads. And every time we discover more roads, there's new things to trip on. There's new things to discover. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you can't, as much as you might want to paint your future in your mind, you have to be open for the things that, you would never have expected or ever planned on. And, and I feel blessed that those are some of the things that this ranch actually reflects is some of those wonderful things. Mm. Yes. Wow. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of some of those funny memes where it's like my, my goal is to go here and go there. It's like a straight line. And then the reality is was up, then down, then flat, then up, then down, then flat, and then like way down and then back up. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So Sheree, tell us about your horse life these days. Be a typical snapshot of, of what your horse life looks like on Ghost Rock Ranch. Well, we, we and myself, we go out, we invest in the horses every solitary day. It's, it, it's just a, a love and a kiss or out there mucking and, and them getting into your muck wagon and you're loving on them and stuff. They all have, of course, different personalities, but they're always greeted with such love and care and kindness that it's, it's always easy to go in with any of them. You know, I mean, they can be little monsters sometimes when they want to get out the gate when you're trying to get in. And so they want to see if I'm going to win that one. Um, but they're, they're hysterical, but it's just fun to go out and love on them. As far as riding, I've discovered a couple of owies on my body in the last couple of years. So I've mended those puppies and I'm still just gaining back some of the strength that I that I lost when I was in the middle of healing. I feel like this spring's going to be a new spring for me because um, mm -hmm. I'm already feeling good. And I've only ridden a couple of times this year with Victoria. Every time it was good once I got up in the saddle. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It was really fun to rediscover and get my brain back on on target, you know, cause I hadn't thought about it. The ground, the ground relationship that you have with your horses is, is as equally wonderful as when you're in the saddle. So I don't really miss it. I don't feel like right. that's robbed or anything, but feeling really good. I'm looking forward to next spring for sure. Nice. To ride some more. Cool. Oh, that's exciting. It's kind of like a new spring, a lot of metaphors yep. there. Yep, definitely. New beginnings. Yeah. That's one thing I notice and has just always drawn me to Ghost Rock and you and your team that works at Ghost Rock. There is a genuine love of horses mm -hmm. there. I mean, it's yes. it's so genuine. And I and sadly, my experience and you know, I've been doing this for a while now, working at various 
barns and programs and facilities, sometimes that is not like the number one thing on the list, interestingly mm -hmm. enough, is that just kind of unconditional love for horses. And that shines through so clearly when you walk into the barn at, at your yeah. ranch. So I just commend you for that. And it's got to be your leadership. It's got to be something you're, you're putting into the fabric there because it's, it's real. No, it's very real. And it's wonderfully surprising when you see it come from people that you don't necessarily expect it to come from. Hmm. And actually they find comfort. They find comfort and trust just to be around people who are positive like that. I have a, um, it's a little pet peeve of mine when somebody just randomly, you know, considers a horse human and says something like, oh, he's such a butt, a butthead today, or mm -hmm. I don't know why he was acting that way or whatever. And I said, you know, I said, well, they don't necessarily know how to be a butthead. They might be telling you something that you're not necessarily paying attention to. And if you see them uncomfortable, stop, figure out what it is. It's sometimes it's like it could be the smallest thing under a saddle blanket that's right. making them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Or the saddle doesn't fit properly because a lot of people don't know how to fit a saddle. And that's one of my biggest deals. But when somebody speaks in a way that they're comparing emotion and uh, moods and whatnot that aren't necessarily possible in a horse, I say, no, you're, you're considering the horse human. The horse is more, more than that. Right. And that their, their communications to you are a lot, they're real, they're truthful. They're, there's no BS around it. And if you find a horse that's having some struggles, it might be from their memories of times before. So you have to just, you know, give them a break and take some time and figure it out and have somebody else help you figure it out. It's always been a big thing. Judy, who's ranch manager here, as you know, and uh, she'll say, oh, no, no, so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's not possible, dude. Right. You know? Okay. All right. Well, let me change my words. And so <laughs> changes their words. And I know it sounds silly, but I do say that to everyone. I said, don't listen to the horse, watch them and pay attention to their communication and you'll have a better experience with them. Hundred mm. percent. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, we compare horses to like their own culture. So you have good intentions. You still have to be aware of the culture and, and how to be respectful and connecting to them. Mm -hmm. It's really like a new way of thinking. I think for a lot of people to not anthropomorphize animals in general. Exactly. I'm wondering too, Cherie, because you do have such a great culture at your barn, and that that is unique. I think anybody that's been in the horse world knows it's not not always great vibes i actually wasn't around horses or barns until i met victoria and we basically were running our own boarding barn and that was my first right. experience it was kind of right into the deep end they went in thinking oh horses this is a pe people's passion it's really fun it's an amazing thing i just assumed everybody was going to be on cloud nine and like kind of loving life and when i saw there was a different vibe you know, and, and not to be harsh to people, like I know a lot of that's just, it's hard to be vulnerable around animals. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other, you know, psychological things happening, but from a leadership point of view, like you're in at the barn, what do you think contributes to creating such a great culture? Well, I, you know, I, for all of us in every single day, there's medicine from just the spirit of a horse. And I think that when you pass on what you believe and then they discover it, through their small steps of getting to know the horses, then they embrace it. And, and everybody embraces it slightly different. Like Matt Pfeffer, who I am so blessed to have as a foreman here and his beautiful girl, Kayla, 
Kayla's not as bonded quite yet. You know, she hasn't, but she's been doing so many things with Matt. She's becoming more bonded. And I can see it. It's a very quiet bond where Matt has a relationship with every single horse. I mean, yeah. he talks to them. He has movements. Judy, on the other hand, is our singer. So when she goes into the barn, she sings to them. She has rhyming songs with their names in it. And the whole time she's feeding, she has, oh, baby boo and Baba Lou, you know, and she's doing all these. And it's like this, they're being happy with the horses and the horses respond to that. When I come in the barn, I have this, you know, voice that actually carries quite largely. And so I'll come in and I'll say, all right, I'm coming down, guys. And all of a sudden, at the same time, every single horse in the barn puts their head through the window. Mm-hmm. And there's like I go, I'm getting them. I'll be right there. You know, and you can go grab a couple of cookies and go all the way down the line and give them kisses on their noses. And everyone acts a little different. They're, you know, I just think that people mimic each other when they're around those who are loving. And Victoria, mm-hmm. you're a big influence here. And so are you, Josh, that people see other people thriving with their personal relationships with horses. And then they get that they adopt it themselves and somehow or another make it grow. You know, I don't, I don't know that they do everything that you and I might do, but right. their efforts, their personal efforts are always genuine, you know, because they see it happening around them. It's adorable. <laughs> Seeing Louise Shirley, who write, rides a lot of my horses, who giggles. Her interpretation of when a horse wants to do something different than what she's asking. And she says, no, that's just their way of asking. Can I do it this way? Mm-hmm. And, and I love that when she said that, I said, Oh, that's a really good interpretation because it's because you can ask a horse to do this and this, but as you're doing this and this, and then they do something quite a little slightly different or whatever it might be, because it's always usually pretty small. She gets a tickle out of it. She actually giggles and she goes, no, I know you might want to do it that way, but could you try it my way? And she says it out loud. I mean, she literally Mm -hmm. rides with that beautiful intention and her calmness and her love for the horse and the time she spends and then gets on. It's just, Yeah, it's beautiful to watch her. She really Mm -hmm. is. And it's verbal, too. So she's actually Mm -hmm. out loud speaking with the horse, which is so beautiful. And giggles. And giggles because it's fun for her. She gets a kick out of their questions. (laughs) Mm. I love that. We talk about the the field around the horse, you know, Mm -hmm. like you could talk about that in terms of heart coherence. So there's some science around that. We like to call it the horse field. Yeah, I like that. And, And I know you know this, but horses when they're in a herd that that bubble they they all start combining and then there creates like a large i guess you call that herd field Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i kind of feel that at your place and i think the humans obviously are contributing to that it's like there's a vibe that permeates the whole place so yeah i love hearing your thoughts about that because that's that's a power it doesn't just happen automatically it has to be intentional I have to tell you something really beautiful happened the other day. Mr. Ladd came out with his daughter, Kelsey, to ride butters. Louise and I were trying to catch up on some, you know, mucking and stuff. So we were just over where Buck and Cowboy were. She's much more healthier than I am. So I'd muck for a little bit and then I'd sit. And then I'd, you know. Anyway, I see this handsome gentleman standing over there. And I said, hey, who are you with? And, and he goes, oh, I'm here with butters and Kelsey. And I said, oh. And uh, so I said, come on over, you know. So he came over and it was just over the fence chatting. And he admitted that he has a lot of fear. He gets nervous and he, he worries about his daughter, but he also credits the time that he's had his daughter in your classes, Victoria, that he is seeing the development of a young woman. He says mm-hmm. that the years that she's been with Victoria, she's this amazing young person that is turning into such a great equestrian, but the, the tools to be an equestrian and a young woman and so on are all sort of coming out of this really beautiful blossom. 
And so he's staying there. And I said, is there something specific that you're in fear of? And he says, well, just, I don't, I don't know. And I said, so you see this horse right here? His name is Cowboy. He's my BS barometer. He basically, they do have a middle finger. They just don't show it all the time, but they do show it. <laughs> I said, come on in here and don't come in here because you're going to go to Cowboy. Come in here because you and I are chatting. You know, just come on in, come on over here. Don't even look at him. We'll just pretend he's over there. And he came in. He goes, oh, okay. And he comes in not apprehensive or anything, just, you know, he was feeling good, comes in, he's sitting there chatting with me, cowboy, immediately, he comes around from behind him, and he's sniffing his coat, and nudging his arm, and, and I said, no, don't, don't pet him or anything, just wait, and so he goes, okay, and so pretty soon, cowboy's at his hand, and he's, and he's doing sweet little nudges on his hand with his nose, and I said, now go ahead, and so as soon as he went ahead, and he was going to pet him, um, Cowboy turned his head and I said, I always tell him, oh, I like that side of your face anyway. And then he said, oh, I like that side of your face. And he literally, Cowboy was in his front pocket and he never had had that feeling. And I said, no, this is Cowboy checking you out and you're letting him. And he's saying you're a pretty good guy because you have something going on with, with your energy right now that makes you feel safe and calm. And I said, and and he's receiving you. I said, sometimes it's nothing. It's the simplest things. But he had such a great experience walking in there. He asked in the spring, do you think you, there, you have a horseshoe that I could ride so I can go on a trail ride with my daughter? And I said, well, the timing is going to be perfect because uh, I wouldn't put you on probably anybody else but my Jake. I said, and mm -hmm. Jake, a good Western saddle for you and very comfortable. And I said, and because Butters and Jake are hanging out together, they're kind of buddies. I said, so it might just be a perfect uh, match. I said, you just have to make some arrangements with lessons with Victoria. <laughs> and he said, okay. He goes, yeah. That's a great story. Yeah, what a great story. Yeah, yeah that's he, awesome. He, he's, the next time I saw his wife, I said, oh, I got to meet your husband. I'd never met him before. And she says, oh, my God, he came home telling us I was in the corral and I was petting Cowboy and Cowboy liked me. <laughs> so it was really just a good experience for him. Mm -hmm. That's really yeah. cool, Sherry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. I got so many more questions for you about your work with the nonprofits and equine therapy type interactions. But first, let's hit the rewind. I'm curious, like a young Cherie, like what first drew you to horses in the first place? Where did this I, even start? I love this story and I'll, I'll make it brief. But Rhonda Johnson, um, I was young and I was eight. She was nine, I think. or I, we, She was a year older than me. I can't remember exactly. And she was a Native American Anglo was so unique and beautiful and she was a huge equestrian she did barrels on her champion quarter horse kokomo and that was the first time i had really been introduced to going to somebody's ranch or farm where they had cattle there too and she like she just taught me everything about being brave because i had never really it hadn't really ridden or anything before but she'd say oh and she'd just be so nonchalant about it she goes i'm gonna put you on so and so he'll just keep up with me okay we're bareback she, she says just hold on to the mane that's when i learned how the mane was so important and and she says pretend you have stirrups there and i go well i don't even know i didn't know anything about stirrups <laughs> she says okay keep your toes up and your calves on and i go okay so i did that and we're just walking and then of course then she goes into a trot and i'm sitting there oh shoot, okay oh and the next thing i'm doing we're loping and i'm my Whoa. first horse holding on and she, she's ahead of me just a little bit. And she turns around, she goes, isn't this fun? And I said, yeah, <laughs> scared me to death. But 
but after the first time, her just watching how she managed to be with her horse and how she practiced and what she taught me, she opened my up my brave door. You know, she gave mm. me trust and and she said, and horses will love you back when you love them. You know, and I, and she would, she was the first person that I ever heard have conversation with her horse. I mean, real conversation. So I thought it was just normal. I thought that was the, the right way to do it. So yeah, she, she opened the door. I tried to find her after she moved back to Texas. I still have never found her, but she's a big, wow. big wow. what yes. an introduction. Yeah. She was awesome. She was the best. Very cool. It's a phenomenal introduction. That's so unique. That's really different. Yes. You know, it's very authentic and raw. And how old are you? I was eight or nine because she was one oh, year old. And you know how, how one year older when you're that young is a big deal. It's a big yeah. deal, yeah. So I looked up to her because she was just a year older. And, <laughs> and she had so much coolness with her horses. And yeah, she was amazing. Yeah. Wow. So that's where I took the first bite of life when it came to horses. Followed, like you said in the introduction, that my dad especially when we were young, he would get notifications in the mail that you're going to be on this show eight o'clock on Tuesday or whatever, you know, he, the, the studio would always send those things out. So we would always, of course, invite our neighborhood friends. We'd all be laying on the floor in the living room watching at the time. I think it was mostly black and white, but it was so much fun because eventually I was the closest to my father. I was like his son when I was a younger girl and he would take me to the studios and the studios in those days, they have it very different now, but the studios used to run your contract and in there with when you're doing Westerns like Bonanza and all that stuff, there there's literally a corral of horses and they're being trained by trainers. And when I went there, I was so shocked. You know, I learned that my dad did all his own stunts. Whoa. And these are these are all the all those actors did. Even Dan Blocker, you know, Big Hoss. I mean, when they had to when they had like being attacked or whatever the heck by a shootout or they'd have to lay the horse down. They do this all the time, and but they did it because the horse was trained. The cowboys were trained properly how to how to get a horse. And they, sometimes they'd be running, you know, they'd be in a lope, and then they'd have to signal this horse to fall, and you know the, the human goes flying off. Okay. <laughs> I was like, no kidding, Daddy, because I've never gotten hurt, just a few bruises, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, I was so inspired by watching that mm -hmm. and then seeing how the handlers handled the animals. Now they were really specifically well-trained and cared for. Not as good then as it is today because of all the protections of animals, but it seemed safe and good to me as a young person seeing all that. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was amazing. So seeing my dad as an actor and I just thought I was going to be his cowgirl daughter <laughs> and I just looked up to him so much. He was, he was an awesome guy. Huh. Wow. That's beautiful. Sherry. What a unique lens you had formed. These two experiences really say a lot. The lens that I got lost in was that I was such an adventurer that I wanted to, um, I didn't want to do anything my parents wanted me to do. And I had great parents. So I started an adventure of running away with a couple of my friends because they had bad situations. My situation wasn't bad. Theirs was, and I would go with them. But eventually I ended up meeting and becoming part of a, a group of people with, with bikers. These bikers were, they became like family, you know, they, you know, they'd never, they never hurt me. They treated me like a little sister. I was like, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15. But what I discovered is the same thing you discover about horses. You know, here's these big men, burly beards and, you know, strong, and they were all carpenters and, you know, construction guys and whatever, when they worked, but they were, they were really these hard, 
difficult on the exterior to see them, but I knew them from the inside because they, they literally made me their baby sister and shared with me things that they didn't share with other girls or other you know gals they were hanging out with. I saw the, the vulnerability and the sensitivities and all of those things. And I think that when I discovered that just about these big guys and these, in these amazing packages on the exterior, that that's the same when you meet a horse, you know, you, they're just these big, massive animals full of muscle and grace and get close to them and you start to feel their personality. And I know that from knowing these men that I did and then knowing my horse, my love for horses, it all kind of came together. And that's how I've, you know, really sought out how and why horses help humans in so many ways. And like, you know, Victoria, it can be a small thing or it can be a big thing. But no matter what, you're going to benefit from being with a horse because you're going to discover your own inside too. You find out where you might be vulnerable because you haven't had enough experience or you haven't been received with a lot of positiveness or something something might be missing. And you can gain that by just being quiet, being with horses. I, I tell people just being with a horse, that's all you have to do. It's, it's not about everybody wants to ride, which is nice. But there's so much to do before that and to just be able to hang around and stand there while they're investigating you and having conversations that you trying to figure out what they're saying. That all just is just like the way I figured out those men. And some of them since long time passed away, they were in their thirties and forties, mm -hmm. some of them. And I was in my teens. I mean, that's where I learned how to see through people as far as those needs that are vulnerable inside, kind inside, mm -hmm. but they don't show it on the exterior, you know, but it's all there. Wow. It's all there. Oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. So your next phase, fast forward maybe to Ghost Rock Ranch, maybe the first Ghost Rock Ranch. The first one was was seriously a dream that was so big that it was it was so big. I've never known how to be anything other than dreaming big. Mm. And shooting for <laughs> yes, and I love yes. that. <laughs> scares scares a lot of yeah. people. Mm. And, uh, even here, you know, Judy thinks things just before we even got that garden going out there. She just like, what are you thinking? Once it's done and once we start doing it, then she goes, oh, my God, it always sounds so hard, but Sheree makes it happen. Mm -hmm. My husband of 30 years, who I adored, he was an amazing man. I have nothing negative to say about him. He, he struggled with uh, chemical dependency. And so as he was doing better, you know, making life, he ended up quitting his career, which I think was almost like cutting off both his legs. You know, it was something that he loved so much and then all of a sudden it was just the ranch and he and I built a beautiful one barn with an apartment above it and then another huge barn we had plans to build the lodge and these cabins that we'd started and more arenas and so on and again it was it was big 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 uh, and eventually I lost him because it was too big mm. for him so it made me put the brakes on for myself but I didn't stop I just went slower, you know, and that's when I started to rescue horses because I knew I would want that. I wanted to start somewhere where I was doing something for the community or taking on the animals. Gala, my very first child, um, <laughs> neighbor down the road who I didn't like him so much, but his wife was super cool. And he had two beautiful young boys. He didn't like that his broodmare had dropped a white Arab. And I remember him saying that and I, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I wasn't really I couldn't deal with it in my head. Why would you like not like a white horse? I don't get it. When she was about two and a half, almost three, he says, Shri, if you come get this horse, he's yours, all her papers and everything. She's a Peruvian Arab. He says, because otherwise I'm going to put her in the ground. Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
I had a caretaker bring me down to his place. She had never had a halter on. Hmm. So I'm here putting a halter on this three-year-old. And I had to walk her because she'd never been trailered. So I'm walking her up the railroad tracks, scared to death that the train's going to come. I kept kept looking forward going, oh, if a train comes, I can go to that tree and tire. You know, I mean, it's like doing all kinds of things. Anyway, I got her back to the ranch. And of course, she cried because she was taken away from her mother and her herd. She cried, cried, cried. So I had to immediately rescue some more. So I looked for somebody trying to move horses and found this lady named uh, Mrs. Mc... Uh, what's it called? What's that famous street in Hollywood? Anyway, uh, Mulholland. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Mulholland. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was so sad to let go of her horses, but they'd been out in a field for months and months, never tended to, never thrown hay. They were eating tansy weed. It was it was horrible. She had already sold them to some guy that was going to take them to the butcher. Mm. And I said, well, I want to get to your house faster than he is, and I'm going to load up those horses, and I'm going to give you $100 more for each mm. horse. And she goes, okay. I said, so if you hear from him, t- cut him off. They're not his. So I went and got him. That's where I got early. He was still here, 31, wow. 32 wow. years old. Wow. And Honey, who I have a beautiful painting of her on my refrigerator, who is a beautiful white leopard Appaloosa. And uh, she was the queen. But yeah, those two horses came. And then all of a sudden, Gayla could settle down because she had a gilding and a mare there. And and then it grew from there. I mean, it was like people knew I would take in horses, but I tried. I eventually had to keep a cap on it. So I always called them my dirty dozen. <laughs> I always had like 13 12, 13. And sometimes I'd take an animal that, you know, wasn't going to have much of a long life, but to be able to give them health, you know, give them what they needed to be feeling good and let them die when they tell you it's time to die. I've had many, many experiences, which I know you have too, Victoria, but all those, all those experiences for me were not sadness. They were more joy that I was able to give them what they're going to remember last. Mm. Like I know community is a big part of big part of you drives you it seems what was your original idea at your first barn because that was before you started rescuing horses but you said there was a lodge and cabins like what what was your initial big vision well we i thought i'd always rescue horses but i we were going to make what you call um kind of a glamping you know Mm. where people come and they're not necessarily doing the whole outdoor thing they have a little cabin there with some heat in it but you come outside it's just, and there's your toilets down at the barn and your fire pits in front and somebody my the big house that I built was just the most amazing chef's kitchen but we had to get it approved through Klamath County so that we could make food for people that were coming and we had a lot of people coming through even before everything was finished the three cabins that were together were from the Roshnishi remember that oh um, yeah the little a-frames yeah the a-frames so I, I got three of the a-frames from a friend of mine he brought them out. We just finished them and made them nice. We built two other cabins as well. I put five wells on that property oh. and it was all probably about six septic tanks so that it would be spread between the, because the water level's uh, pretty high out there. So you want to have, want to be able to protect the groundwater and stuff. But then, then the big arena went in there and we, and we did all of the Lapine rodeo and the game days. Oh, wow. and mm-hmm. It was amazing. It was a 210 length by 110 width all metal span. And so then I built on an entire wood construction of 16 stalls, two bathrooms, an office, two showers for the horses. It was just a really beautiful operation. It was, it was a dream, but when I lost it, I had the most amazing support. Mike Shields, who's still in Lapine, been there forever. He came with a cooler and we sat on the outside looking at everything as we were packing up my last load 
and I uh, had a cu couple of cocktails and said, this has been a great place. <laughs> and I pulled away and I just, it wasn't like a sadness. It was almost like, you know, to be honest, I don't know if I could have made it happen because it might've been too big. You know, I might've made it too big. So finding my little humble area, I humbled myself just trying to slow down and make things right, you know, for myself financially and, you know, for my horses. And then coming here, it was, you know, my dad says it's not luck when you find someplace or you find a job or you find, you have to know how to capitalize. Mm -hmm. If you can't capitalize on an opportunity, then luck has nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's to be able to do what I did to be here definitely was a giant leap but there was always support always people there to catch it and, and talking about community it's a you know we all call it a village but when Lu louise came back after a year in joseph and she was here she said oh my gosh Ree, there's no community like there is at ghost rock ranch she goes it's like a family an extended family and she says it's, it's like you go there and everybody that comes into the barn is is family they're friends and she said it, they didn't have it there. She was writing and stuff, but she, she said it was just not, there wasn't the same friendliness. There wasn't the same amount of joy. Right. There wasn't the compassion for the animal. You know, she said it was super hard. She, she couldn't get back to Ben fast enough for them, wow. for she and Brian to be here hmm. because she said she missed this community. Barb Cass says the same thing. And so does Rebecca. Yeah. They, say, they just love the, the bonding here because yeah. they can, they don't have to call us to say, Hey, I'm bringing my grandkids or I'm bringing my, she brought his uh, family here the other day. And I said, who was all, where, who were all the kids that were there? And she goes, believe it or not, it's my CPA. I said, oh, my goodness. She goes, yeah, the kids had such a blast. They, they couldn't love on the burrows enough. <laughs> and I love that they feel free to do that. You know, mm -hmm. it's like they don't need to call and say, is it okay? I go, no, this is, it's an extension of yourself when you're here. You know, just, wow. go, for just go for it. Yeah, that's a gift. Like, like we're talking about with the vibe, it's basically the same thing that doesn't just happen automatically. I think it's really fascinating. We're kind of in this challenge right now of community creation and how that applies to like more in the virtual space, which is yeah. a completely different way of looking at things than what we're used to. So I'm really just intrigued by like the power of community and what goes into it and how it works. We've had community before and we, we've done programs that built that, but I don't know that we were really super cognizant or even super intentional about it. It was just kind of kind of yeah. happening because we were doing cool stuff that people were around and really just for the first time realizing how important community is like that's actually number one probably yeah. right yeah right. i think that i mean i i think it's an honor when my neighbor daniel baca called to say hey shri because we, we've all been sort of texting and talking about this landfill situation and he writes me while judy and i are out trying to save two horses day before yesterday we're going to try again on Sunday. Um, but he said he's calling, and I know it's important because it's during his work days. So Shri, we're going to get 30 to 40 people together. And is it okay if we come to your barn? And I said, absolutely. I mean, I that it's like I would never say no, first of all. And <laughs> to me, that's like we're talking about neighbors, some that I do know and some that I don't know, that are all going to be able to come into Ghost Rock Ranch and get that feeling that you know you're going to, that you feel when you're here. They're going to, they're going to be relaxed and they're going to be able to be there to talk about something that's important to them about our community and what's going mm -hmm. on. And I, I find that an honor that they are making it my place to have a meeting. I think that's awesome. Yeah. 
yeah. go on. Yeah. Yeah. Something I'm learning from you and just through what you're saying and what you model is just the effort, the intention and the effort. And like you said, like what your dad said about things not just being lucky, you know, and I think it was it Oprah that said, you know, oh, luck yeah. is when opportunity and preparation meet, mm-hmm. you know, emphasis on that preparation yeah. part. So there's actually a lot of work goes into creating amazing situations uh, similar to community. It didn't just like pop out of thin air. There was a lot of, you put effort into it and it's, it's evident for anybody that's around you. So I think that's a really powerful lesson. Yeah. I asked Barb Cass to hear me out. I needed to bounce off somebody to help me make, I wanted to behave properly the right way. I didn't want to overreact and so on. And so I was chatting with her and of course she's such a great, so great. She never just, she sits there as a friend and instead of somebody who's wise beyond. And she said, she says, curiosity and collaboration. Whoa. And I, and I looked, she goes, yep, that's what we call the two C's. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I love it. I said, oh my gosh. And I said, and it changed my whole interpretation of the issue that I was dealing with. Because when I approached it, I approached it with curiosity not defensiveness, pure curiosity, and then collaboration for a solve. Find a a way to not fix, but mend a little of whatever was happening there. I learned just those two words from her the other day, and they're like my new powerful words. Yeah, I always learned a lot from Barb too. She's she's very wise, but that's wonderful. We really explore the topic of curiosity a lot with horses. Like that's part Mm -hmm. of their language. It's part of how we you know, when you become curious, you're able to connect more with them. And curiosity yeah. is very powerful. And with humans as well. And, mm-hmm. I, and you know, I, didn't, I didn't put that as in a formula in my brain until she suggested it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just so much more empowered. Right. Because uh, I try to be, you know, the things that I learned from the horses and how they've changed me and made me who I am today is I, I learned to be quiet, first of all. It's the hardest thing for me because I'm a babbler. But my dad used to always say, Dave, when you're being when you're being confronted or something's happening to you or you've got to do a speech in front of a bunch of people, whatever, he says, don't forget to breathe. And how many times do you remind us of that, Victoria, to breathe when we're on our horses? But he wants you to take the time to breathe. He says three breaths specifically. He says, you're golden if you can do three. And take a full deep breath and exhale. Full deep, you know, don't overreact it. Just do it like it would be natural. If you can get, only get two in, that's good too. One is better than none. And sometimes when you're out, when you're challenged, when I go out to the horses, I can be totally quiet. I don't even have to talk to them. I just, I can't get enough of their body. So I inhale their bodies and inhale their, their noses and, and love them. And I mean, I can't get enough of just the touching and feeling and smelling of them. But when you're doing that, they're like doing the same to you. I love it when I'm preening on the back of somebody and then they start printing the other horse and then they start printing my hair. <laughs> I love that. But it's like being quiet. They just, they help me to be quiet mm-hmm. and, and not really think it's really just trying to be in the moment, which is not easy for us as humans. You know, it's, it's a hard thing to practice, but if you can just do it a little bit every day, it, it's so healthy. Mm-hmm. That nonverbal communication piece from horses. I, the more I learn, the longer I do this, 
the more nuance that gets. So when I hear you talking about the ability to be quiet and still feel seen and heard yeah. and cared for and safe and loved, that's, I mean, that's one of, that's one of the greatest gifts I think that horses offer us. I just love that. Now, do you mind if I tell you that story uh, you asked when one question was an experience that you had with somebody with horses? Yes. And, uh, Jeremy, uh, who's one of my military, he struggled. He has struggled a long time, but now he's doing extremely well. I'm so proud for him. But he'd come to the ranch with need of a home and a place to stay probably four or five times. And every time I let him stay, with the threat that he couldn't stay long, but of course he did. Um, <laughs> but he considers our horses like his family. When he's gone and he comes back, he'll come with somebody, a girlfriend, a buddy, and he just shows up because he knows he can. He said, I'm just going to go take him out and introduce him to the family. I said, okay. So he goes out and he goes and sees all the horses and it's just like a big shot in the arm of happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. And he's greeted. He goes, I can't believe cowboy. Let me hug him. You know I mean? He'll, he'll just be so proud for his actions showing off in front of whoever it is. He, has. <laughs> he suggested to this young woman, Chelsea, who was really a troubled person. Hey, listen, you're going to love it. Go out to where the gildings are and just stand on that little rock pile there and just stay there. It's so awesome. He goes, they're, they're going to, you're going to see them coming over to, you know, he had all this idea for her and planted this. So she, unbeknownst to any of us, she bravely goes out, opens and closes the gate, gets out there. And she had discovered standing there. She goes, yeah, the horses kind of like, weren't even paying attention to me. I was standing there and I was like, yeah, I thought they were going to come over to me. And she looked up and Buck was in front of the gate and she panicked because she goes, Oh my God, I don't know how to ask him to move so I can get out. And she really panicked. And she went back to the place where she was standing and she started crying hysterically and then praying. And she was going, I was just praying, please God, it will help me out of here. You know, and, but she was crying very heavily emotionally. And she said it was within a second or two, but early cowboy Buck, they all came around her and put their head on her, got in, you know, were really nudging her, trying to, to capture her. And she said she looked up and she said she was so, she was, oh, and she's touching them. And she said it was like a light came on. She said it was like an angel just like threw down this light. And I was like, I was like, I felt so good. And then the horses were right there and they were letting me love them. And, and she goes, then I saw the gate and I had to go. <laughs> <laughs> She was still afraid that he was somebody was going to get in front of the gate. But he came back in such a rush, wanting to tell that story, mm-hmm. and it stayed with her for such a long time because she, whenever she'd be in a not so a, a dark place, I'd say to her, "I said, close your eyes and think of that day when you were sitting out there with the horses." And she goes, mm-hmm. "Oh, yeah, Sheree, thank you." And so, yeah, I think it, that's why I think it's always so surprising to people the the surprised. Uh, reaction of horses when they as a herd are coming to you to because what's going on there's you know they can't fix it necessarily but they can get in there and and uh like protect them almost like come in and and say we're here you know it was just so beautiful i I just Mm -hmm. love it yeah it was one of my favorites it's hmm. it's just so interesting whenever I hear stories like that, and that's that's what you hear is the moment the human is allows themselves to be vulnerable, hmm. you know, allows that that crack to be seen or or that 
that dark shadowy place to be yeah. illuminated the horses just boom, that's yeah. that's what horses want to see and that's i think the the powerful nature of equine therapy mm-hmm. is that it it really shows humans how to be vulnerable and shows humans how beautiful and courageous it is to be vulnerable. Yes, um, very much so. Yeah. 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 But, um, and so your your nonprofit helping hooves, it's an equine therapy. Now I know you guys do lots of different things. Interesting. I I've tried really hard with military and I was successful with bringing on people. It's it's really hard. It's a HIPAA thing and all kinds of stuff that you have to be super careful with, but the vet center is free to say to any of their veterans there that are seeking help or want a job or whatever. So I, I really adopted a lot of military that way. That was the primary goal, even at the mid, my uh, alfalfa ranch, which I was there for five years. That's where I took on the most. But then I, um, I would say it was all military until I came here and there was so much work to do the ranch. I'd almost taken like a year off of doing that, but I had employees that were either military or whatever mostly military. Um, But long and short, I met a beautiful woman, uh, Wendy Rudy, who was working at St. Charles. And she introduced me to cancer survivors. And uh, the denial that they're still living, they may be past the worst of their situation, but it, it, it affected them personally, their partners, their children, their jobs. And they may, like like I said, be recovering from all of that and getting back to their jobs and everything's kind of coming back to what you'd call normal. But they hadn't ever really dealt with the, damn it, I'm pissed off that this has happened to me, you know, about having a cancer. Uh, it's so something nobody can control, you know. And when I took those beautiful women and their friends, it was some were married, some had sisters. There was different people that came. There was about eight beautiful ladies. They, um, they... I, I had already taken a lot about Igala, you know, and the, the theory behind having a psychotherapist and an equine specialist and the horse, but it was usually too heavy because it's too much talking and too much. The psychotherapist keeps wanting to open up doors. And if you just let it go, the horse will open those doors, you know, just be by being quiet. The most fun I had with these ladies, because it was something I made a joke for every time we did it every Saturday for like eight, eight weeks in a row. I'd say, what's a horse's favorite thing to do? And they'd go, oh, and they'd name, all of them would be excited to name things and so on. But I'd say, no, the most, the most favorite thing they love doing. And they say, tell us, Cherie, you know, because they're just all waiting for me to say it. I said, well, they actually like doing nothing. (laughs) Can you imagine you you doing nothing? If you spend enough time with these horses learning how to do nothing, you'll find some quiet time just hugging a horse and closing your eyes and listening, breathing in their beautiful skin. Their heart rate's slower than ours, so it will slow your heart rate down by just breathing and hugging. And don't think about, oh, I got to go to the market after I get done here. Or, oh, gee, I got to pick up Sally. Or, you know, you have to just empty your mind and just learn to live in the moment, even if it's for 30 seconds. Just close your everything and just take in the horse. And when they do that, the horses yawn. They get all happy and relaxed. It's so adorable. So that's when the door opened for me to seek out other community opportunities. And that's when drug and alcohol rehab started to open my door because just like military, they all fall into a a form of trauma, Mm -hmm. some kind or another. 
what I discovered was I really like to require that most that I invite to the ranch have at least a year of sobriety under their belt and that they're doing their program. I broke the rules a couple of times with some good people that are, that I really, I'm glad I did for them. They needed mm. it. Matt, Matt's four years clean and sober over that now. And he came here with a year under his belt. He was a great example. But the, the other doors that have opened and it's part of the nonprofit is I had somebody knock on my door. Her name is Ray and she is the owner of Ben Forest School. I, we love your ranch and we saw it online. It's beautiful. Do you think you might be interested in letting us have a preschool here? Just a little camp. I'm like, of course. And she says, okay, let's go look. And they, they picked a spot that's beautiful when you walk, ride or walk out there. Next year we had preschool and then first and second graders. And then this year we have preschool, kindergarten, first through fourth grade. Whoa. Two years. It's amazing. It is the, it is the, I am so privileged and so happy to have them on the ranch because one, just to hear the little people giggling and whatever during the day is just, just so nice. Just the sound of children. They are super sweet. Keep so much care to the property and they, it, it's so beautiful when you drive around where their little camps are, but that was a surprise. And then from there, we've opened up the door to different places like ARCC, which was the nonprofit that brings young people from usually reservations from different states and then brings them here and does different stuff with them. It was a really eye-opener, beautiful opportunity. And then this newest one that's just come in in the last week with the uh, Bend Park and Rec for the therapeutic. These, these are people that are uh, anywhere from, I think he, she said 19 to 40. So they're not little people. They're, you know, young adults or adults. And yeah. these are the kind of things I keep opening the doors for. And I, and I don't charge anything. I say to people, just like with the school, I don't want people to feel like they have to pay you know, if that's if they need if they need time, like this one woman just called recently to her 10 year old is struggling. She didn't go into a lot of detail on her voicemail, but she said, I need to do something to help open up my daughter's experiences. And, and I saw that, you know, you let people come see your horses. I said, absolutely. And so I've told her, you know, I need to have a guardian here. I need to make sure there's somebody here. I said, but uh, once we get to know you and your daughter, you can say, oh, no, I'm going to go see this, these horses and she can go out there and brush them and and take them some carrots or whatever the heck, you know, you can figure out one little thing at a time or go sit with the burrows. They're very medicinal. They're awesome the way they sit and love on you. But uh, opening the door to these, to more opportunities that all I say is when you can, when it's realistic for you, just donate it to Helping Hooves. Because right now the, you know, when you're a nonprofit, you have to have something tangible. And so the school is super tangible because they're right here. And they're getting all this improvements and the garden out there is also part of helping hooves so that it's for the kids and other people because you know meet me in the dirt you know i mean there's places where you can go where you, psychologists and different people that are helping us mentally with our counseling playing in the dirt is like the most therapeutic compared to being with horses and it's hmm. it's a way to just there's so many good things so those are ideas that i keep trying to you know create and then i put that out there and i I'm trying to, that's why the website needs a little more work so I can be a little more definitive, but I also don't want to be too definitive because I don't want it to be so structured. I'd like it to be open. For years, my associates in California have been in the film industry. They've, Sheree, we'll come up with a, a crew and come film and do what you do. And I said, that's so nice of you. And I, I appreciate the offer. I said, but the truth is those who are there who have gained opportunity from the ranch, I said, it's, it's personal. It's private. You know, it's not, we don't go out there and advertise that we specialize in helping people. You know, it's people help themselves. It's not me helping them. 
It's them helping themselves, taking a step forward to doing something for their own personal wellness. And sometimes it's as simple as hanging out with a horse, working in the garden, taking a walk around the property. Eventually, I tell people, do you know how what a high it is to just walk a horse on a lead line? Mm-hmm. Like you say, and Bobby Elliott's my first one to ta- teach me this. She said, the minute you pick up a halter, you're a herd of, you're going to become a herd of two. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, work begins when you pick up that halter. The horse recognizes you're putting that on. Now you're the lead and you need to empty out all the stuff so that you can walk with that horse and help the horse with their own confidence and with their own bravery to walk in paths with trees and leaves and dogs and people and sounds that might make them nervous. They're going to count on you. So these little things that you can, the smallest things you can try and give people to formulate their own health, their own wellness, give them the license, they'll take it and they should run with it. Wow. That's so, that's really good. That's really good. <laughs> and I, I use all your quotes all the time, Victoria. So just believe <laughs> And she says something to me, I go to, I run to Matt. Victoria <laughs> said today. <laughs> you're, you're very kind. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's the horses. It's the environment. It's the being in nature. It's the, it's just all that, all those lessons are just right there for the taking. I have heard many lessons you're talking about, but if you could just, distill it down to a couple what have horses taught you about yourself just a couple things well the, the one i said before is that they've helped me to be quiet mm. I, I'm quiet with them which it's hard for me to be totally quiet so i take a little of my dad with the breathing and then i go out there to just you know watch their eyes blink and their ears move and when i move you know i just i really just absorb myself in looking at their bodies and loving them and letting them do what they want to do. And, but the other is like Rhonda Johnson taught me to be brave. She taught me bravery. I think that when I'm with, when I'm on any of my horses, I'm not afraid of my horses at all. You know, I'm not afraid to get on any of them. There's a few that I don't want to ride anymore. They're just getting to a place where they just need to be retired. Hard to say, but it is true. So I haven't been riding my Eddie as much, which I miss him, but they, because of their wounds from previous lives, like Eddie for one, he makes me slow down. He makes me pay attention to him and what he's saying to me. I didn't discover until one of those times, Victoria, we were, he was doing so good. Remember that's when I discovered my leg wasn't right. So mm. I, I turned one way or the other, but he kept getting nervous inside the barn and he just couldn't stay still. And I figured out, I don't know why it took me so dang damn long, but it, I, I stopped taking him in the outdoor and the indoor arena. And he's like cool cucumber, but he gets himself in a knot thinking performance, which he was forced to do for the majority of his life. So I think he just still too many horses, too many people. Everything is just like he gets himself into a, a, a little tizzy inside. So Ed, he's the one who I sing to him when I ride. I know it sounds silly, but it's pop goes the weasel. Cause I couldn't think of anything else at the time, but <laughs> I don't say pop goes the weasel. I say, boop, 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 Eddie. You know, <laughs> Sing to him because because I can see his ears listening to me the whole time, and he stays calm. You know, the whole time we're out on a trail, he can go out by himself. He's so brave to go by himself because before he he couldn't do that at all. Before took a year to put a a hundred and some odd rides on him just to get him to accept that it's okay and that he felt brave and confident enough and mean that I wouldn't take him any place that wasn't good for him. Right. Uh, now he trusts me totally. So it doesn't matter where we go, but not in a arena. He just, right. 
it's a bad memory for him. So, but that's so the, you were curious about that. Yeah. Maybe that's the curiosity thing, you know, instead of yeah. forcing it or taking it personal, you were curious about, it, and then that's the collaboration piece. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. then you right. asked him, what yeah. does he need? And then you guys, you know, there's a great it's, Tom Dorrance quote. That's first we go with the horse, then the horse goes with us, then we go together. And I pull that out all the time. Cause I hear that yeah. in so many people's stories of like, Oh, I figured this out with my horse and it was right. that sequence. Yeah. Same thing with, he had an abscess that I didn't know about. And I, did, I had actually done all his hooves and everything. And I couldn't figure out why he didn't want me to mount him in the arena I was thinking, is he just not, I couldn't figure it out. But like you said, you know, you have to really pay attention. And I finally took his saddle off and I walked him back to where he was. And, um, he was not, he wasn't limping. There was no sign, right? But he was telling me something that I couldn't, it, the communications are so gray sometimes that you're, you can either interpret it in your own way or you're making up something and it's not there. But I got him in there and the next morning went out to feed him and he had a huge burst of a abscess on, on the hairline. And mm-hmm. it's just like, but it was like, it came up, but you know how painful those things are. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what he was trying to tell me. And I, you know, and I didn't see it or anything, but it's, it's all really, it takes so much for people to pay attention to what a horse is saying and how they're saying it and not make it human, mm. trying to figure out, trying to figure out what the horse's communications are. And he was so polite telling me he didn't want me to mount him. <laughs> he, he's so sweet. I mean, he was being, because he wasn't being a bad boy or weird. He was just not, he, no, I don't, I can't, I don't want you to get on mom. Mm-hmm. It was it was yeah, a good lesson for me. And I tell it to people all the time that they're not paying attention. I said, look, I think I'm really darn good at this. And, and Dagnab and I can make mistakes too, because I, I just wasn't hearing it. I didn't see it. And so still didn't punish him or make right. him feel bad about it. I took him out. And then the next morning, of course, God told me, because there it is right there on his hairline. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that. Ghost Rock Ranch, a place for healing, a place for community, a place for children to come, a place for lavender to grow. It's just a, such a cool pretty, place. Pretty magical place. Yeah. 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 I love it. And we will talk about lavender the next time. We just have a couple more questions, but if mm-hmm. if you were able to just sort of let us know how people can get in touch with you, how people can keep track of the projects that you have going. I know your website is sounds like it's work in progress. Work in progress, but it's it's a place to go. Yeah, so, put it up. Okay, on the, we got that. Yeah. Ghostrock.com. Yeah. Right. That's really the best place, but you know, we have Matt, Judy, and my phone numbers in there. And everybody's always open to calling them. I mean, we get calls. And then they also, I didn't know how, whatever the website designer did, but they literally email me from, and it comes to my phone. So people, that's how people have been reaching out to me, people that want to board or whatever, or these opportunities like from the park and rack. But the, the lavender is a biggie because we're not really selling it. I'm actually giving it away and wanting people to see what the hydrosol is because we learned, we didn't even know hydrosol, didn't even know what it was until we started distilling. We're trying to figure out how to market and how to put things together because it's it's going to be part of the Ghost Rock Ranch flash stables kind of thing because it's the only place where we can generate income. And mm-hmm. so I do want to retire eventually. I'm, I'm <laughs> 69 this year and I'm proud of that. I still want to work a couple more years in the film industry to keep going so that I can keep taking care of the things I want to do here on the ranch. Like all the solar that I'm putting up on our buildings. And those are things that are going to be awesome because it'll be a good example, you know, for the for young people that we're putting solar you know, to take care of right. 
lot to light this place up. But anyway, yeah, there's there's just so much. Everything's baby steps. I try to take small steps because I've I paid the price for pay, taking too big a steps a couple of times. But you just learn to go slower. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not in a hurry. I'm gonna live to be a hundred and something. Nice. So nice. I love it. Yeah. yeah so going uh, slower. One word to describe the kind of horse person you aspire to be. I just want to be kind. Hard to beat that. Who was the philosopher that said the three things you need oh. in life? First is kindness. Second is kindness. And third is kindness. Mm-hmm. I don't recall who said that. I so think I William it, James. Yeah, I think it's William a... James. Yeah. Oh, maybe so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Superpower. It is mm-hmm. a superpower. I would say you can check that one off your box, Sheree, <laughs> because we've witnessed that is the horse person you are so yeah that's something we get to witness and be a part of every time we go to your ranch it's taken me a long time to be slower and i mean i have a a slightly large personality and it's part of what i do for a living with being a film producer and stuff believe me that it comes in handy but also keeping everybody having fun you know making things light not getting too serious as a younger person my husband used to tease me all the time because he'd, he'd make me laugh at, at most silly things but he'd stop me by making fun of me so he because I was being too serious and mm-hmm. so his med- medicine for me was to do something silly or off the wall and then I'd catch myself with being too serious so I've learned how to um, just slow down you know slow down don't be in a rush on everything mm-hmm. always smile and be kind to people most of the time you will always get that in return wow I love that that's a good slogan. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing so much of your wisdom today, Sheree. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys. This has been really fun. I think we better call it there. Do you another one. For part two, we'll though. do it too. And we'll dive deeper into some of there are so many things to dive into. I know. Um, but thank you for no, sharing you a little bit of your story. I learned about you today. Yeah, I learned a lot more. I filled in some missing blanks mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And it was it's it's <laughs> nice. And I just Again, just want to say you're one of our heroes. We love you. We think the world of you. And thank you for sharing your story with us and allowing us to share it with our audience. Definitely. And back at you guys, because seriously, Victoria, you are a huge contributor to just the the core of, of the community in the barn. And with Josh, you have been there so many different ways with now, especially the, the physical therapy and doing all these things. I It's like the two of you like bonded into this powerful couple that is you know, doing such good so many good things so you know take some credit for all the wonderful things you do and how you reflect in my community of this beautiful place that you know you're a big part of that Aww. thank you yeah thank, thank you. you it's a good little herd we're all in yes it's I a know. good herd <laughs> yeah, i love it and i picked up a few things but curiosity and collaboration those are my two big ones love it love it yeah. all righty love you both